Ion 2020, episode 165. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray in here, your host of Ion2020. Thank you for joining me. I will be bringing you the news and related events for the 2020 election until November 2020 and beyond, maybe. I'm not sure how I'm going to approach it after that, but I appreciate you joining me today, though, for Ion2020. I'll bring you all the news, all the events, all the things that are going on in the 2020 election, making sure that you are up to date for multiple reasons, but the main reason is so that you are an informed person, so that you will know what these candidates are talking about in their positions, their policies, and so forth. Uh, there's things that you might be doing in your daily life where you come in contact with people and they might be interested in learning about these candidates and inter- interested in learning about your perspective about these candidates. And hopefully I can help you out with that. Putting this show together Monday through Friday for you and uh, making sure that you are the most informed you can be. I scour the news so you don't have to. And uh, that can get tedious sometimes. I know. I know it's very tedious. Believe me. I've been doing this since January, putting out this podcast Monday through Friday. Every single day, I haven't taken a break. When I have taken a vacation, like I did when I went to Daytona a couple days ago, uh, I made sure that I would pre-record episodes when I went on a cruise with my family back in April during my kids' spring break. I went ahead and pre-recorded a week's worth of episodes as well, making sure that I am committed to this Monday through Friday so that you can have all the information that you need. I think it's important to have the information about these candidates because you never know. I mean, this is a libertarian show. If it's your first time listening, you know, newsflash, this is a libertarian look at the 2020 presidential election. So I want to make sure that if you are a libertarian, you at least have some general idea of what's going on with these candidates so that when you're talking with people, you can seem well-informed, right? And then you could maybe throw out a little bit of liber- some sprinkle some libertarian seeds on your family and friends and everyone that you're talking to. But if you're not a libertarian... It's always good to listen to a different perspective, right? Especially my perspective. It's a great one. But if you want to listen to other people's perspective, it's always good to at least know what each side of the issues are saying so that maybe you can somehow, you know, be able to conversate with those libertarians in your life. And uh, maybe you can change their views as well. I, I always have a hard time saying to change someone's views, though, because it's very hard to change someone's views. But at least, you know, having that perspective is always good. I think. I've I've always thought that having multiple perspectives on anything is very good, and especially when it comes to politics as well. So anyway, guys, um, back from vacation, back from my little stint in Daytona Beach, and I wanted to do a little bit of news and just let you guys, catch you guys up on the things that have been happening since Thursday with the election. And the reason why is because uh, I haven't really covered that much of the news lately, but the first piece of news that I found for you guys is that John Hickenlooper, that is the that is the extreme moderate, that's what he ran on, as being the extreme moderate governor of Colorado, has dropped out of the race. 
you're going to start seeing this, though, about weekly, maybe even every so often or so, you're going to start seeing that these candidates are going to start dropping out, especially the ones that know that they're not going to get anywhere. Extreme moderate is the position that John Hickenlooper went with, that he was the guy that can get things done in Colorado. He did, that he's a moderate person, that he's not somebody that is going to be like a risky candidate, that he's not going to be the somebody that is going to try to change things too much, but he's just going to be, you know, kind of like the middle ground, but have those those uh, left leanings, I guess, but not try to change things too much. And apparently the voters did not want to hear that. Apparently voters are comfortable with a Joe Biden being the moderate in the race and John Hickenlooper decided to drop out. Now that was almost certain. I mean, I didn't see him getting any traction whatsoever. And with the high bar of the next debate in September being a 2% in the polls, on multiple polls, as well as having, uh, I think it's 130,000 individual voters from like 20 different states, 500 people from 20 different states, he was not obviously going to get to that point. And once that, once you get to the point where you're not going to be in the debates, you're pretty much, you're, you're over with on the debate stage, unless you're a super, unless you're like a very popular candidate, somebody like a Hillary Clinton could jump in right now, or a Michelle Obama can jump in right now and gather that 2% support, gather, you know, 130,000 different voters that there are different people that are uh, donating to their campaign. And if that, someone like that did, but someone like a John Hickenlooper, he's not really known nationwide. Obviously, he's going to jump out of this campaign and realize that, hey, you know what? Maybe my, maybe I can go elsewhere and get something done. Maybe he's going to run for Senate. Who knows? Because I know the Democrats, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately as well, with these 23 different, 24, I think there's actually 27 candidates that are, that have announced that they're running, but 27 different people, and they're all from different states and different backgrounds and so forth. That might give them the chance to win the Senate if they can get popular support among these people. For example, John Hickenlooper, it's kind of assumed that he's going to decide to run for Senate pretty soon in Colorado. You can, um, you can take that to the bank almost that he's going to, and I'm, Wondering who he's going to run against, but I guess Colorado must have a Republican uh, senator right now that is up for re-election because that has been the speculation that he would decide to run for Senate. But we'll see. But that might help in a, happen across the board as well. Someone in, I mean, I think th- you have two people in Texas right now that are going to be running, uh, that are running in there for president. That's going to be uh, Julian Castro as well as Beto O'Rourke. And will one of them decide to run for Senate as well? Beto O'Rourke. Very popular in Texas. He almost beat Ted Cruz. Will it be his chance this time to beat whoever the senators that he'd be going against if he decides in 2020 to run? There's still plenty of time for them to drop out. But Beto O'Rourke is also a guy who has a pretty big ego, and he has support of two, you know, two percent support across all of America right now, and that that's the polls that they're looking at. So he's going to be in the debate in September. Will he make the next round of baits after that? I'm not sure. That bar keeps getting a little bit higher every single debate, and uh, that that pushes people out. So we'll see what happens with him. He has a pretty big ego, though. He's trying to re-kickstart his campaign after the whole shooting that happened in El Paso. He went down there and started, you know, talking to people there. He started listening to voters and all that, all the stuff that politicians do. He's trying to make his face involved in that thing so he can look like he's a leader is what it really comes down to. And what he decided to do is avoid Iowa, avoid New Hampshire, avoid those early 
voting states for a while, and he decided that he's going to go down to like Mississippi, where there was some stu- some incidents that happened over the last couple of days there, and he's going to start kind of just traveling around America and just trying to listen to people about what's going on with the gun debate and what's going on with the uh, oh that was right in Mississippi. Remember what happened there was. I guess ICE agents raided a factory and basically rounded up a bunch of immigrants that were illegal immigrants that were working at this factory, and then their kids end up having some problems where they couldn't get home from school, that they had no parents to go home to, and all that. Yeah, terrible tragedy, probably terrible publicity for the Trump administration by any means, but you know what, it probably made his voters think to themselves, well, at least he's doing something, right? I mean, that's always what his voters, voters are going to say, well, at least he's doing something. But that's where Beto O'Rourke went to. But he's going to start going around to all these places that Trump is kind of stirring up the pot just to try to get his face on the news because that's what he's going to be able to do is get his face on the news. Trump, for example, in 2016, just by being on the news all the time, was able to win the, the nomination for the presidency or nomination for the Republicans constantly on the news doing news media or media after media appearance after media appearance on fox news msnbc cnn anywhere that would have him he was there talking and that helped him out so that might be beto's new strategy who knows because he is sinking in the polls he's like a sinking ship he was up at 16 17 percent in the beginning and slowly he just faded away uh, he's had to restart his campaign a couple different times well we'll see how that happens but what that comes down to will julian castro end up running for senate in Texas, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that, that that's a that's a very strong possibility that he will, is what they're saying, especially since he probably won't make the next round of debates. Next top, topic that I wanted to talk about, though, was this. You guys know how I'm always checking out the gambling sites to see what's going on with the gambling sites, right? Because I think it's important that when people are willing to bet their money on a candidate, then... It does show that they're willing to put their money where their mouth is, right? And if you look at Elizabeth Warren, over the last week or so, it's crazy. She, and I said this in another show as well, she was kind of tied with Joe Biden a couple, like about a week ago or so. But before that, she was around 18%. Joe Biden's at 26% chance that he's going to be the Democratic primary nominee. Elizabeth Warren, over the last week, has really just skyrocketed up. She's slowly creeping up above Joe Biden to 26%. Yesterday, she was at 30%. And Joe Biden was at like 23% chance. So 30% chance that she would get the nomination. It just, the people that are betting are willing to put their money where their mouth is on this thing and go ahead and boost her up. Today, as I'm looking right now, though, she's around 28%. She's down 2% from yesterday. But the thing is, is that it just shows how strong of a candidate she is right now. That she is creeping up against Joe Biden. Uh, it's called electionbettingodds.com. And I check it pretty much daily. You have Donald Trump right now at 46% chance that he's going to win the presidency in 2020. With Elizabeth Warren at 14.5% chance. And Joe Biden at 13.5% chance. With Sanders followed behind at 6.7% chance. And then Mike Pence is the next Republican down, and he would be at 1.4% chance. And then you got even Hillary Clinton's on there around 0.7% chance. 
Now, if she decided to jump into the race, though, Hillary Clinton would probably jump up above, you know, above somebody like Kamala Harris at 5 or 6% or so. She'd probably get in there pretty fast. You have, even have Michelle Obama at a half percent chance. And uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is even on there at 0.1% chance. But then again, people have... Oh, even Trump's daughter is on there at 0.2% chance. That's crazy. Ivanka Trump. Is that her name? I can't remember. But anyway, um, see, I'm not into all the whole celebrity BS that goes on, so I don't really know all these people's names. But anyway... I just thought it was really interesting that Elizabeth Warren starts creeping up like that. She's a pretty strong candidate, but I wonder if these election betting odds sites would change if, like, let's say Elizabeth Warren decided to ask all of her, or a bunch of her supporters, to start betting on her as being the next nominee, like, start putting money on her. That would put her odds up higher at that point and drop Joe Biden down. I wonder if that would kind of skew those numbers at all. I don't know. Because right after the last debate, or not the last, right after the first debate, Kamala Harris had jumped up to be in the front runner with Joe Biden slightly behind her. They're kind of like neck and neck, I think. And Sanders had dropped down, Warren dropped down, but Harris had a pretty bad showing at the last round of debates, and that kind of shot Elizabeth Warren up, kept Joe Biden up, and so forth. But we'll see where this goes. I mean, I always follow it, so I'll always bring that to you guys as well, just to make sure that you are aware of what's going on with the with the election betting odds sites. Because if you look at some of the polls, like the most recent Fox News poll that came out shows Joe Biden at 31%, and then everyone else is, you know, way behind him. Some of them are like, one's at like 18%, one's at 17%, but Joe Biden's still nationally the front runner. But then another poll came out about a couple days before that, and it did put Elizabeth Warren actually just barely below Joe Biden. I think he was at 22% and she was at 21%. And that was an interesting poll to look at because it just it's it's the it's the outlier in all of the polls that I see. It really is. But I was when I was looking at it, I was just thinking to myself, um, maybe that's gonna start motivating other people to say yes to her whenever they ask who they'd vote for, as well as I mean she, She's a complete liberal, though. She's way to the left of Joe Biden. So is she going to be the darling? I've said this in the past. Is she going to be the darling of the progressive movement now? I should have asked my sister this when I was hanging out with her over the weekend, though, if uh, she's supporting Elizabeth Warren. I don't know. I don't know if she's supporting anybody specifically. She didn't really bring anything. We didn't really talk that much politics, but I'd love to see where she stands with, with Bernie Sanders over Elizabeth Warren because she's a... She, I think she'd consider herself a progressive. I'm not sure uh, exactly where she places herself uh, on the political spectrum, but I know that she has like progressive values and all that stuff. So I wonder, from a progressive standpoint, where she would stand on the whole Elizabeth Warren versus Bernie Sanders. Because I've said this, I think that if Elizabeth Warren continues to do pretty well and, and Bernie Sanders kind of fades away, he is the leader of that movement. He is the person that kind of started that movement. So there, there's a lot of people that are behind him, but I wonder if he starts to fade away if he just throws the support behind Elizabeth Warren because she is an ideas person. She is the person that kind of claims that she has all the good ideas and all that. Um, but I wonder how that would come out. But she is moving up in the polls, and there have been some polls that do show her specifically as somebody that is almost in line with Joe Biden. And let me find... I actually found the poll right here. And it shows... Um, Elizabeth Warren 
Okay, so there's a Democratic poll that came out on thir- last Thursday. Biden, 31. Warren, 10. Sanders, 16. Harris, 7. That was a Hill poll. The Hill, the Hill.com poll. Then you have on Wednesday, right before that, The Economist came out of the poll, 2020 presidential nomination. Biden was at 23% and Warren was at 20%, with Sanders at 6%, Harris at 8%, and Buttigieg at 6%. So is she going to be the person that ends up taking out Joe Biden? As soon as, like, let's say Sanders decided to throw his support behind Elizabeth Warren, she would almost take, she would take almost all of his supporters away. Nobody would really go to Joe Biden. Maybe a few, but most would probably go to Elizabeth Warren. So she'd end up with like 30, maybe 35% in a poll like that. And then if Elizabeth Warren got out, based on the Fox News poll with 31%, Elizabeth Warren would definitely end up with pretty much, you know, tied at least neck and neck with Joe Biden. We'd see how that happens, but... It's interesting to look at those polls. You guys know I cover those polls on a regular basis as well, so keep on following the show for that also. Um, And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about was basically there is a new candidate in the race, but he's been in the race for about a a month now is when he announced, but he hasn't been on the debate stage, so I didn't really talk too much about him. But he is somebody that can make some waves in the Democratic primary. And the reason why is because he's a billionaire, and he put a hundred million dollars into his campaign already and he spent 10 million dollars on ad space getting advertisements on tv and that is to get to the general public to get himself the two percent vote that he needs in certain polls right so he's got his two percent into the polls and now what he's trying to do is he's trying to get his 130,000 individual contributors and that's going to put him on the debate stage and his name is tom stayer He's from California. He was actually a hedge fund manager way back when, and he divested in his hedge fund. He got rid of all of his assets in the hedge fund. Hedge fund. The reason why is because the hedge fund invested in coal-fired power plants in foreign countries as well as coal mining, I guess, which he said was something that he was not very fond of, obviously, being from the left. He's probably somebody that um, you know wants to have environmental front environmentally friendly policies and so forth but Tom Steyer I didn't really find too much about what he believes as a candidate when I was looking him up what I did find is like he just seems especially looking at his commercials and stuff he seems like he is going to take the moderate approach and the reason why I say he's taking a moderate approach right now is because he's putting out commercials that are viewed by a wide audience, right? So he's trying to get the independents. He's trying to get those people that are more independent-leaning Democrats. He's trying to get those people to say, yes, he's somebody that would support, and that would give him the 2% that he needs. So that's really why he's taking that moderate approach, I would imagine. If he was going for, like, the grassroots movement by any means, he would have to take a more left-leaning approach. But that, that lane of the Democratic Party is already taken, right? You have Bernie Sanders, you have Elizabeth Warren already there. So I don't think he's going to go down that road. Um, He's definitely going to take that lane of being that moderate approach. And I do see these for Medicare for all. He's for um, bringing America together and all that stuff. All the, the, you know, mumbo-jumbo that you hear. But that's all I really know about him. I was trying to look for his campaign site, and there's not too much on that. He's just trying to get onto that debate stage right now. Um, 
He's looked at as a pretty nice guy within the liberal movement, though, within the you know, liberal community. And the reason why is he's one of those billionaires that decided that he was going to sign that pledge to give away most of his money. Um, and he actually, he did put his money where his mouth is, where he did give away like $100 million right off the bat to some charities. But the thing is, as I was looking at this, I think he gave like $250 million away to some charities, and $100 million of that was to three of his own charities. I wonder if he was taking that approach that a lot of billionaires do, where they set up like three or four different charities for their kids to manage, and then they give them their kids a nice little cushy salary while they're managing that charity, and then the, then the kid gets to feel like they're doing something, they're going out there and changing the world, whatever, and it's all on daddy's dime. But they're also probably raising some money here and there as well, and they're probably doing some good things. So I wouldn't, I, I don't say that's a bad thing. I actually think it's, um, I actually think, I mean, it's his money. He should be able to do what he wants to with it, right? And if it means helping his kids out by setting up some kind of charitable foundation for them, then so be it. Like I said, I don't know if that's true or not, but that is a lot of times what multimillionaires and billionaires do. They set up some kind of foundation for their kids to manage so that it can, you know, be tax-free money. It goes into the foundation. It looks like they're doing some good charitable work for the world, and it really does help out the kids to start, you know, start their own thing. So anyway, um, that's Tom Steyer. That's really, you know, all I really wanted to talk to you guys about today is those three particular topics. So I appreciate you joining me today. I really do. Um, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you like what you hear. And I will give you a libertarian spin Monday through Friday until the election happens and maybe even beyond that. And uh, then come on back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020.